welcome to Manly Movies, where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about their favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro, I'm JB. I'm a husband, a father of two, a son, and a brother. I'm not an expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. And I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship, so I thought, why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's what we want to dive into today. So, let's get started. Joining me today is my friend, Kles Davis, man. Kles, what's going on, buddy? Hey, it's going good, man. I'm just happy to be back on here again. It's been a while, you know? Yeah, it has been. And uh, this is part five of what we started, uh, what feels like a year, but it's probably more like six or seven months to finish up the Daniel Craig, James Bond pentology. <laughs> Which is a weird word. <laughs> so, real quick though, why don't you tell me what you've been watching recently? Well, for me, I would say the thing that has stuck out to me that I've watched recently was HBO Max's um, Peacemaker, the um, new DC series with John Cena re um, playing his character from James Gunn, The Suicide Squad, which is one of my favorite films from last year. And the one thing about the show that I was worried about is. You know, how is this show going to make me fall in like with Peacemaker? Because if anybody has seen The Suicide Squad, not any spoilers, so don't worry about that. But if anyone's seen that film, they know that Peacemaker's not exactly the guy you're really rooting for in that film. He's kind of a douche. He's kind of a guy who's about killing people no matter what, all in the name of peace. So with this show, I was worried about, well... How am I really going to even feel connection with this guy? Because I already don't like him. And the show does a surprising thing in making me feel empathy for this guy. You know, we get a little bit of background. We understand how he was molded to become this killing machine by his father. And his father is also this guy who's a white supremacist. So Peacemaker also has some of that in him. And throughout the show, they show how his father is always with him in not just in the physical form but in spirit form as well and he's kind of tortured by the things that he's had to grow up with and see and now he's being used essentially as a mercenary for the government to do more of their dark bidding and he's joined by a great cast of supporting actors a lot of characters from the dc universe and I found it to be a very enjoyable show. It's being renewed for a season two, so the story doesn't end here. But I like the blend of action. I like the character development. I also like the humor, even though the humor is more hit or miss. There's a lot of crude and sexual and just raunchy humor, which is not really my style, unless it's written very well. But it's not enough of a turnoff to keep anybody from watching this show. If you're a DC fan, and if you're a person who definitely loves the Suicide Squad, I would definitely recommend this show to you. It's this show, there's 10 episodes. The longest episode I say was like 49 minutes. So it's not even that long of a show if you're worried about runtime. So definitely go to HBO Max and check out Peacemaker. It is a great TV show. Nice. Yeah, I've actually, I've been meaning to watch that. I'm just, I'm really bad at shows. Like once I start one, I'll like, I'll watch like two or three episodes and then I'll just like squirrel for like three months. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh man. I forgot to watch episode three of One Tree Hill, you know, like, so uh, it's just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm weird, I guess. I don't know. I spend so much time watching films. I just, I, I just trying to work down all these lists. I, I keep forgetting to come back to the shows that I started. I will say one film that I watched recently that I had not seen in years. Uh, this, this came out in 2002 and I think it was probably 2003 was the last time I probably watched it because I'm pretty sure my family and I rented it and we watched it together and I don't think I've seen it since but David Fincher's Panic Room 
uh, dude, <laughs> I guess it's different watching it now as an adult. Have you seen it? Oh, I watched it, I think, about a couple of years ago. Yes, it holds up very well. Great film. Great pick. Absolutely. Like, I just, like, I don't didn't remember a whole lot about it other than the fact that Dwight Yoakam was under the mask and Forrest Whitaker was, like, the main security guy and Jodie Foster. And I had no idea that Christian Stewart was in the movie, like, as the little girl. So, it was just... Anyway, but man, that film, like if anybody who has not seen it, I mean, the movie's 20 years old now, but you know, if you're just now getting into film and you, and you've like, and you like Fincher's work, definitely go back to this because it is, it is, it is a real treat. And it's kind of one of those, it's like, it's a home invasion movie of a, a mother and a daughter. And so it's just, it's really cool. I, I, I enjoyed it and it was really like watching it for the first time because I was what, 16 when it came out and. It's been it's been a long long time, but I would say the only thing that hasn't aged well is Jared Leto's braids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I forgot about Jared Leto being in that too. That's just that's weird. So many so many actors that you don't think about, you know, when they were younger. Yeah, Jared Leto just yeah. You're right. That has not aged well at all. <laughs> but. Let's move on to the movie, and I know we had started talking about the first four, and I was actually late to the game watching the No Time to Die. Did you catch it on theaters when it came out? Yeah, I was there opening night. Um, great experience, except that I usually sit into the last row of any theater I go to, and there was this big family that came and sat in the row in front of me, and they were talking throughout the whole film. So other than that, it was a pretty awesome experience oh I, I bet it was man because the the special effects in that film the sound editing and like yeah that would that would have been one that i wish i would have actually i really really wish i would have saw that in theaters i don't know what happened why i couldn't but just something i don't know but i didn't watch it until january i believe and then when i decided we need to record this episode at the time of listening to this it is uh the end of march right now so but anyway, so we're sorry, the time of recording this is the end of March. And so I was just like, I'm going to watch this again. And I watched it again. And man, I got to say, it might actually be my favorite of the five. And that says a lot because they're, these 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 films are really good. I just, there's a lot about it. It's all, it's, it's more personal. <laughs> and so it's just, I, I, can, I, I feel it. I feel it for sure. I don't know. But with him, you know, being in love with her and... Uh, We'll get. We'll talk more about it later on, but it's just. Let's just go ahead and throw that spoiler warning on there right now. Anybody's listening, if you have not watched this film, you need to go watch it now before you listen to this. Please, please, please watch it. It's not streaming anywhere at this point. I don't know when it's going to be coming out for streaming, but buy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I did so. Um, so what about like as far as mainly moments we talked about before? Just things that kind of stuck out to you about the film that kind of hit home to you as far as being a man and what it means and everything. Well, this film was all about James Bond becoming more, you know, exposed and vulnerable with his feelings. Oftentimes what we've seen James Bond over the history, you know, of the film series, we don't really get too deep with James Bond. What we see him is that he, well, you, what you get is James Bond trying to, fight criminals, going jetpacking all around the world, being with women, you know, just doing all the cool stuff that you think, you know, would be anything that a macho man would look for. 
But I would say with No Time to Die, you finally get to see James Bond be vulnerable. And there are a couple of moments that do a good job of showing that. In the beginning, when we see him visit the grave of Vesper, and Vesper was the girl from Casino Royale, his love that ended up dying. And we find out that she had betrayed him, but Bond loved this girl. He clearly loved her. And you see from the preceding sequels afterwards that whenever he's asked about her, whenever a memory of her is brought up, he tries to fight against it. He almost like doesn't want to even think about her because he's disgusted with what he did. But over time, we see that you can't run away from how you truly feel about somebody. And so we see him visit her grave and he says, you know, Vespa, I loved you with all my heart. You, you know, um, I know what happened between us, what didn't end so well, but hey, I care for you. And it was good to see that he was finally being honest with himself because many times in life, especially as a man, you're often told to um, keep your feelings inside. You know, don't let yourself become too vulnerable. Don't let, don't let nobody really see you for who you are because if you expose yourself to somebody, you're afraid that that person that you trusted with all your deeper secrets and your vulnerabilities is going to hurt you. And who knows, they may even use that against you later on. But honestly, you can never know what, you know, how a person in life is going to see you, how they're going to receive you. You can never know if the person you love is going to still be with you 10 years from now. You never can know. You know, there are a lot of changes that we undergo in life, but we always need to stay a certain that we need to be truly who we are. We can't be afraid to be vulnerable because that's who we really are. We can't hide. We can't hide that away not just from ourselves, but from other people, especially from people who we care about and want to get close with. And I want to talk about the ending. I would say the ending of this film is brilliant. Um, it is brilliant because you get the sense that Bond really accepts, you know, what his fate is going to be. He's at peace with it. He understands that the villain of this film he is a guy who makes these plants. He he knows plants, he knows poisons, he has these nanobots. So what he does is that he gets into a fight with this villain. This villain really pretty much hits him across the face with a vow. And it's a vow of Mandolin and her daughter. And, you know, we get to see that James Bond has a family. Mandolin, you know, his long lost love, who's been inspector and, and you know, who's in this film. And then we see that he has a daughter. So he has a family. But it finds out that these nanobots are now into his DNA, in his body. And if he gets close to his to his lover or to his daughter, they will die instantly. And he has a chance to escape off this island. You know, before they bought before the um MI6 bombs the whole island. He has a chance to escape, but he realizes that he doesn't want to live in a world where he is not able to be with the people he cares about. I mean, it would be easy for Bond to escape from the island and be like, okay, well, you know, I can't be around Madeline anymore. I can't be around my daughter anymore because I'm going to hurt them. So you know what? I'm just going to be out of their life and I'll just start a new life. But what is life without being with the people you care about? I mean, I think about it now. I wouldn't want to live in a world where I would have to be away from my mom or be away from my brother or be away from my girlfriend or even be away from my cat. I mean, it, it hurts me. It hurts my soul. Just think about that. And Bond realizes that and he would rather, you know, not be here if he can't be with the people he loves. And I think that shows a that shows amazing loyalty, dedication, and he is willing to and he also sees that he's lived his full life. He's he's gone. We forget that this Bond character, he is a dark dude, man. He's gone through 
a really rough history, a brutal history. And he's seen a lot of things that could pro- that would traumatize anybody for the rest of their life. So I think with the ending, you know, we see Bond dying, but I think in a sense, it's also a way of peace for him. You know, he's accepted everything and he understands that Madeline and his daughter are going to be able to live a pretty good life with no no other nefarious figures or villains coming after them and trying to hurt them. And I mean, it's a soul-stirring resolution to the Craig era. For sure. Excellent point. I mean, it's if you can't be with the ones that you love, then what's the point? And he had to stay there really to make sure that everything you know went smoothly because he tried to leave at one point and uh, what's his name? Robbie Malik. He closed, he closed the gate, the, the cover or whatever on for, so the bombs couldn't get in or whatever, but he had to, he had to go in there and take care of that before he could even leave. And by, by that time, that's when he got hit with the vial. So yeah. And he, he, like you said, he could have left, he could have gone like uh skyfall and gone to an Island somewhere and just lived his best, best life now, you know, but it ain't his best life if he can't live it with them. And that's something that says a lot about the growth of that character in this, in this series, because, you know, going back to the beginning, you know, they asked him at one point, why is it that you only hook up with married women? Because, you know, he doesn't want to get attached and doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want anybody who's you know available because he's closed off. And, and that says that he's got some real issues deep down behind that He doesn't want to get close to people, but also in his line of work, you don't need to be close to people. You shouldn't be close to people because those people are the ones that get killed or the ones that you put in danger to be killed. Or, you know, when you get shipped off to Timbuktu and, and can't see them again, those are the ones that you, that you hurt. So I get it. I get why he was so closed off. But with this, he, he opens up to this woman. He has a daughter with her that he, which just now found out about. And, more than that also uh, other than that as far as relationships goes you can talk about the relationship between him and felix because this guy was retired okay he was <laughs> he was living life with his girlfriend and well i mean that that didn't have the child at that point which apparently she did she just didn't know it yet but <laughs> but so he was living with her and and doing great uh, enjoying life we come to find out later that he loves that he is madly in love with her, but Felix comes to him with a favor. And it's not like a, it's not a mission because Felix is an American. And so it's, it's not like he's calling back to do his same job. He's calling back to work for CIA, for the CIA. Nobody could have got him out of retirement except for Felix Leiter. And so like that kind of relationship to have that strong a friendship to say, Hey, I love spending time with my with my girl here, but if you really need me, I'm coming. I, I I'm here. I'm your man, and that's 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 some strong some strong man love right there. And then whenever Felix dies, and right, you know, right before he dies, he leans into him and he says, uh, "What's he? Say? He says, make it worth it." And what he's saying there is, "I'm what we're trying to do is something that I'm dying for." So please don't let my death be in vain. And so that the rest of the entire movie, the the the, whole, the entire mission, I feel like he's doing this for Felix. He's also doing it for his for Madeline and for uh, the daughter. I can't even think of her name. All I can think of is Doo Doo, what she called her little uh, bunny rabbit. 
<laughs> oh yeah, her uh, name is uh, Matilde. Matilda. Matilda. Yeah, that's right. Madeline and Matilde. So he's doing it for Felix. He's doing it for Madeline. He's doing it for Matilde. And it's just really cool to me that for, that he thinks so much of those relationships that he is going to accomplish this for them, even if it kills him. And it eventually does. What'd you think about the Felix relationship? Oh yeah. Him and Felix, they're like brothers in a sense, uh, you know, just good friends. And Felix comes to him and asks him to do him a favor. Like, Hey, you know, um, you can cut, we can, you can come with, go to Cuba and get this Russian scientist because they have this weapon called the Hercules. And, James Bond, while he does have some reservations about it, he doesn't really think twice. He's like, yeah, I'll do it for you because Felix, you know, him him, him and Bond have a long history. You know, Felix has been in the series since Casino Royale. And for him to, you know, be able to do the thing for Felix and then come and see that Felix unawarely doesn't know that the guy he's working with, um, Nash, turns on him and ends up shooting him. And it's another thing that destroys Bond because Bond doesn't have that many friends. I mean, his occupation is kind of a lonely occupation. There's not really much area to really grow relationships because you're always on the run and you're being chased down by figures, by bad figures all over the world. So you don't want to hurt the people that you're, you can get involved with. But Felix was his best friend. It was his guy and he was willing to do anything for him. And, you know, he was loyal to him. And so seeing that Felix ends up dying was actually one of the worst parts of the film to me. Not worse is that bad quality, but actually a, a really hurtful scene to see. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it's tough to watch your best friend die. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh man. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes and VCRs and video rental stores? Is the thought of another eighties movie being remade seem inconceivable? If you want to go back to school, back to the future, or even back to the beach, then the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is for you. I'm Tim Williams, the creator and host, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest co-host as we revisit a different 80s flick to discuss our first-time watch memories, iconic scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. New episodes drop every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. One thing that I I wanted to mention here, and, and going back to what Safin, that was his name, what Safin was saying about how similar he and Bond are, and, and Bond even recognizes it. So you know, one thing to kind of take away from that is bad guys are bad leaders and good guys or good leaders are often mirror image of each other. So like that's what makes it so difficult to kind of distinguish a lot of times, you know, really great leaders or great speakers are often evil, you know, <laughs> like, and, 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 and you don't see it because they're tickling your ears and, and it's just something to really, and, and, and me, I live, um, I, I'm, I'm a Christian and, you know, a lot of people in my walks of life you know, will hear people like Joel Osteen and they're, they're, you know, they're preaching stuff that's like, that sounds really good, 
But when you dig a little deeper, he's saying something, you know, what he's basically saying is if you love God, you're going to have a happy and fulfilled and rich life. And that's not true. (laughs) You know, like it's not necessarily true. Um, And oftentimes, historically, there's been more suffering than prosperity (laughs) for, for, for believers. So it's, it's just, it's really hard. So I guess it's just, you've got to do your due diligence and, and read between the lines a lot of times with, with people because man, they can lead you down the wrong path. And, and Saffron obviously led a lot of people down the wrong path because you see how many guys he had backing him up. Yeah. And the thing about Saffron is that you, when you, when you see him in the beginning of the film, he's essentially is exacting vengeance on Madeline's family. He comes into the house He's there to kill Madeline's father, but his father, her father's not there. So what instead, what he does is that her mother is there, and the mother's like, "Well, my husband's not here." He's like, "Oh, that's okay. This will do." And he essentially kills her mother, and was planning on killing Madeline, but he ends up changing his mind, ends up saving her. But it kind of makes you think about, you know, do the ends justify the means? I mean, what does it even mean to really get revenge on anybody? I mean, because. Does revenge, when you get revenge on someone, does it bring back the person that you were getting vengeance for? It doesn't. So at the end of the day, is does revenge even bring any sense of fulfillment or any retribution? Which I think for me, it doesn't. I mean, often we do talk about films that are centered on revenge, like Kill Bill or Inglorious Bastards or things like that. And it may feel good to see satisfying to see someone come back at the people that hurt them or took away someone they love. But at the end of the day, the people that were lost, they don't come back, you know, they're still gone. And, you know, this film kind of like with Safin, you kind of have to think about, okay, you know, he can go and kill this, this, these many people. He can go and like try to kill millions of people. But what does that bring to him at the end of the day, except for more death, more pain, more destruction for not just him, but for other people around the world. For sure. And, And you touched on it just a minute on that as far as as far as death and and the people that you know it's it's the end what happens at the end when bond dies which that his death was beautiful by the way like the whole like it was just it was absolutely the perfect ending and that's that's why i love this film so much but after he dies we see a shot of his girlfriend and daughter and they're riding in the car together and she begins to tell him about her dad and right before that you see everybody that he worked with sitting around a table with a glass of scotch or bourbon or whatever they're drinking Uh, and they even poured him one too that you know they kind of cheers to that one glass that was sitting there and they talked about him and like they all they drank to him, which I thought was just really, really special. And the quote that they mentioned, which I've got to repeat it, it's a Jack London, I believe, said, the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And <laughs> we don't know when our last breath is going to be taken. It's really very important for us to surround ourselves with those that we love and care about and make the absolute most out of that time with them. And man, it's 
we can all get into uh, a rut or, or what you call like um, when everything's just kind of like mundane or, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And a lot of times we get caught up in the other stuff that we have to do, the housework, the, the you know, going to work and, 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 and maybe spending too much time there or whatnot. Lots of things kind of get in our way, but what's important is our family and our friends. Like those, those are the ones that we need to be focusing on and, and pouring ourselves into because we never know when they're going to lose us and we're going to leave a huge hole in their life. Just like, it, just like bond does with these people who are gathered around toasting to them, to him and a daughter growing up without a, without a father, like, <laughs> we want them to be fond memories of us when when that day does come i guess you get what i'm saying there oh no nah, man i get it uh you know life you know tomorrow's not promised for any of us you know so it's good to live in a philosophy of living in the moment and you know oftentimes we let these little things you know get in the way of that you know it may be us sitting in traffic or us road raging or us thinking about our job or us you know just these little minute things that at the end of the day don't really matter what matters is that the people that we love people we care about and just how our general everyday living is you know being thankful for the little things being thankful for many things we take for granted i think honestly that's what life is and as long as we focus on that every day can be a treasure for sure yeah you know speaking of uh <laughs> Things that don't matter, like uh, somebody slapping somebody at the Oscars. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just get over it, guys. <laughs> it happened. It's over. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, but something that I found interesting, and this is more on the technical side, uh, we just finished the, the Oscars for this year, and Billie Eilish won Best Original Song. And last year... Sam Smith won, but I was looking, there've been several, it's like one, two, three, three for best original songs. It's like Adele won. And then they also won for best sound. So there was four Academy Award wins for the, this particular series, but take a guess when the last time they, they won before that was. Hmm. At anything. Mean, was it Skyfall? Did they win anything for Skyfall? Yeah, uh, Adele won Best uh, Original Song, and they also won for Best Sound Editing. But I'm talking about before the Daniel Craig series. Guess when the last time they won an Oscar was, the the franchise. I'm going to say um, there hasn't been an Oscar win, has there? Nope. There there were two, and they were both um, the first two Connery movies. Oh, Goldfinger okay. and Thunderball, <laughs> 1965 and 1966. Oh, wow. Thunderball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that won best special visual effects and the Goldfinger won best sound effects. So that is a huge span in between. So <laughs> I just, I thought that was interesting. Like none of the, uh, none of the Brosnan ones were even nominated for anything. And I understand why. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <But> they're, they're good i i enjoyed them it, it, they're fun but they're not like super high quality like these are 
So, I don't know. Anything else you had to add? Uh, remember I said on the, our last Bond podcast about how there was a pattern. Casino Royale was great. Then you had a little bit of letdown with Quantum. Skyfall was great. Had a, bit, a little bit of a letdown with Spectre. And then I told you No Time to Die has to be great. And it turns out I was right. <laughs> you were right. It's... And I, I, again, I'll say it again. I think it's my favorite. I've watched it twice this year already. And I'm, I'm at some point, I'm going to go watch, back and watch them all just to make sure. But I'm pretty sure this is going to be my favorite when it's all said and done just because of how personal it is and how perfect of an ending it was. And to me, it, there's something to be said about ending a series really, really well, which is why my all-time favorite show is Breaking Bad. Because it started amazing, and it was amazing all the way through, and it ended on a beautiful note. Um, Endgame, uh, the, the the Tony Stark saga, <laughs> like the the way that ended with him was just beautiful, and like that's just so something like that really, really, really resonates with me, which is why I I have a problem with with a lot of films that don't wrap things up <laughs> like, like just i don't know i just have i have issues with it and i know a lot of times there, there are artistic reasons why and i get that and i understand them but it still bothers me <laughs> you know, like but the way they wrap this up in a, in a in a bow just it makes me so happy that's why i loved it so much yeah man i mean this is a this is a great way to end this series uh, i mean i have to say you know i would put this I probably would have to say the Craig era of the Bond films. I mean, I think they have been more consistent than any other era we've gotten from the Connery era to the Bronson era, the uh, Roger Moore era. I would put these films up against any era and I, I, I find them hard to beat, honestly, even with Quantum of Solace and Spectre not being the best of films, but they're still good films. You know, there's not really a bad apple in the bunch. Yeah, you're right there. Uh, I, I, I would say the same thing. And, of course, I really need to go back and watch them because it's been a long time since I watched any of them, and and I know I haven't seen all of them. <laughs> but, yeah. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining. Um, we will do this again sometime. And just remember, brothers, you've got to man up. <laughs>